We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Ave Welcome everybody, Steve with Sesfidelia, coming at you with Father Laurent Demet. Did I say that right? Hello, hello. Uh, yes, Demet, yes. And he's in Vietnam, so I have to say, good morning, Vietnam! <laughs> Actually, it's evening. It's morning in the US, but here now it's evening. Yes, yes. Well, I was doing it for the, for the movie. I couldn't help myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we're talking about a saint that many people may not know about. He was a martyr in Vietnam. He was the original little flower. That There's a great painting I saw of an altarpiece of him handing a flower to the little flower, St. Therese. But uh, yeah, St. Theophane, his bishop, by the way, has a great motto. It was, intoxicate me with the cross. And his other one, when dealing with missionaries' morale in difficult times, was Three cheers for joy anyways. This was an area that had a ton of martyrs. So, Father, welcome. Well, thank you very much. And I'm glad to be here with you today to, to speak about Saint Théophane Vénard, who is one of my favorite saints. And he's not the only one reason, but one of the reasons uh, I am in Vietnam now. So. Yeah, for, I've met guys that are in the same, well, that's with the order, the Fraternity of St. Peter that uh, became a, uh, Seminarians or priests because of people like Father De Schmidt. Uh, but you're the first one I met that was because of St. Theophane. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about him. Well, um, I uh, discovered St. Theophane Vena when I was uh, in the seminary in Vigratsbad, in the seminary of the Fraternity of St. Peter. And uh, I heard about him the first time, in fact, uh, when I read the life of Saint Therese of Lisieux, because uh, he was a favorite saint of, uh, of Saint Therese, and I wanted to know more about him, so uh, I read uh, his life. And uh, since at this time uh, I was already interested with Vietnam, so I was very impressed by. Uh, his life, I would say a short life, because he died a uh, martyr, I think he was just, just 31 years old, if mm -hmm. I remember well. Uh, but in, um, he was, uh, I would say, a simple soul. This is why uh, St. Therese liked him. When she read about him, she said, uh, wow, his soul is like my soul. And St. Therese of Lisieux is famous now all over the world, but not too many people, as you say, know St. Therese Vena. We know him more in France because he was French, but uh, in other countries, he's not very famous. And yet, he has the same soul as St. Therese of Lisieux, which is a simplicity, you know, the spiritual way of a childhood, spiritual childhood, and um, gave everything, even his own life, for Christ, like all the martyrs. So that makes him... Uh, 
beautiful uh, figure, uh, beautiful son to, to follow, and uh, I'm sure he can inspire uh, many people uh, today. So, um, but um, before talking about San Teofanvena, if you want, I can do a little background about uh, the seminary of the foreign mission in Vietnam. Yeah, go for it. Because uh, he was a priest of the, of the mission, of the Society of the Foreign Mission in Paris. So it was founded in the name in the 16, uh, 1663, if I remember well, in France, by two bishops, uh, Bishop uh, Palu and Bishop uh, Lambert de la Motte. Also, um, though technically he's not one of the founders, but uh, Alexandre de Rode, who was also uh, who was a missionary priest in Vietnam, uh, played an important role to the foundation. And also, maybe uh, you are more concerned in the US because there was also... Um, He was not yet a bishop, I think at this time he was a priest, but uh, François de Laval, who became the first uh, bishop in North America, the bishop of uh, Quebec City, um, because he wanted, as a priest, he wanted to, to go to Vietnam with Alexandre de Rode, and uh, I guess God wanted him to be in North uh, America, where he did a wonderful job. By the way, I was in Quebec for five years. I discovered also this great missionary bishop. But I would say he's the same spirit, that inspired all of them, of these priests and bishops and missionaries to go all over the world to, to spread the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, this first bishop, especially Lambert de la Motte, spent many years in Vietnam. There he founded some religious communities, especially the les, Amandes les de la Croix in French, a religious community, which is the uh, more... Uh, Uh, ancient, uh, the oldest religious community in Vietnam. There are still today many sisters. It's a community of sisters. Uh, there are many hundreds, uh, many thousands of sisters from this community today in Vietnam. Then uh, I'm not going to go through, through the whole history of the mission, otherwise we need many hours, but uh, uh, I'm skipping a little bit to go to Bishop uh, Pignot Béen. It was a little bit later, end of the 18th century. He was a French bishop uh, of the foreign mission in Vietnam. Um, interesting life also because uh, he became a close friend of the, um, the king of Vietnam, the emperor, Zalong, who was the first king of the Nguyen dynasty. And um, uh, Bishop Pignot Bear had a great expectation. Of course, he prayed and hoped for the conversion of the king Zalong to become Christian. It never happened. But uh, he brought his son, uh, the prince of Vietnam, who was a young boy at this time. He was 10, 12 years old, something like that. So he brought him to Versailles, where he met the king, Louis XVI. And um, he signed a, a treaty between France and Vietnam, between Louis XVI and uh, Emperor Zalong. Unfortunately, because of the French Revolution and for many other reasons, Uh, this treaty never, uh, was never applied, uh, but yet it's still interesting. Uh, unfortunately, the following um, emperor of Vietnam uh, did not have uh, the same uh, sympathy for the Westerners and for the Christians, and then start a time of uh, terrible persecution for the, for, the, for the Catholics in Vietnam. So in, uh, in the 19th century, this is when uh, we meet Santeo uh, van Venar, Uh, because he was born in 18, uh, I forget the day, I put some, yeah, 1829. And when he was uh, nine years old, he read about the martyr 
of uh, Jean-Charles Cornet, who was another priest of the foreign mission. Uh, terrible martyrdom because he was beheaded and after they cut all the, his body bit of pieces. But uh, young Tilfan Benar, nine years old, he read that. And uh, at nine years old, he said, wow, uh, I also want to go to the Tonkin, which is the north of Vietnam, and I want to die as a martyr. So that was uh, his dream as a child. And uh, I don't think too many children have this kind of dream. But uh, And uh, God uh, granted uh, his wish. And a few years later, he would die as a martyr. So Tilfan Venard was born in a little town of west of France. And um, so he had this call to the vocation to be a missionary as a young child. He joined the minor seminary. Then after a while, uh, when he was in the seminary, he was thinking maybe more about uh, becoming a diocesan priest, especially when he was a teenager. There is always a kind of crisis. I mean, if all the teenagers had this kind of crisis, that would be great, I think. But instead of thinking about missionaries, I just a diocesan priest, which is fine also. But uh, then later, uh, his vocation to, to be a missionary uh, and stronger and in a full call from God. So he left the seminary of Poitiers, I think it was, and went to Paris to join the seminary of the Corinthian. And uh, there, so it was, uh, it was quite something, the seminary of the French mission at this time, because they, as I call that uh, in French, uh, l'école polytechnique du martyr, uh, the polytechnique school of martyr, because uh, you had a lot of chance to, to, to end as a martyr. And yet, it did not stop many young men to, to join the seminary, to live uh, their life. Uh, and um, after his ordination, so Theophan Benar uh, left, he went to Asia. Uh, at this time, uh, it was quite an adventure to travel from Europe to, to Asia. I think it took like uh, 22 months to, to join. Uh, uh, he did not arrive the, in Vietnam first. I think it stayed in uh, Hong Kong, I think, if my memory is good. Right. Uh, but he had troubles uh, with the Chinese language, Mandarin or Cantonese, whatever it was. Uh, of course, he wanted to go to Vietnam. And uh, after a while, uh, his superior sent him to Vietnam. So he was very happy because uh, for him, that was uh, the most beautiful mission of the, of the foreign mission in Asia. When uh, he arrived in Vietnam, it was a time of, uh, it was more peaceful, not too many persecutions. There was some persecution some years before, but when he arrived, it was a better situation. He was very impressed by what he saw. He called that he spoke about the beauty of the mission, the beauty because uh, of its organization. There was already some bishops, some priests, not yet the diocese, you know, because before it's the Vatican, it's for the Pope who created the, the diocese. But before it's uh, what we call the apostolic administration or vicaria in French. But there was already some bishops, some priests. And uh, the goal, the purpose of the French mission was always to. to to convert the people to the Catholic faith and then to, to have a, uh, a local clergy. So they, they had some Vietnamese young men in their seminary. And in fact, a few months after he arrived, there was a, an ordination. Um, since there was no persecution at this time, they can have a, a beautiful, solemn liturgy. 
with two bishops, four French priests, and they ordained uh, uh, 26 uh, Vietnamese priests. And there was, since it was a peaceful time, there was even some, um, some representant of the King of Vietnam. So you can imagine how it was, you know, in North Vietnam, the ceremony with uh, 100 soldiers and elephants and everything, you know, to, I guess it was quite uh, impressive. But unfortunately, a few years later, the persecution uh, started again, and uh, Santo Fan Benar had to he had to hide himself for uh, three years. And you can imagine uh, how difficult it was because he had to hide like many other priests or Christians. Uh, they make a kind of a fault uh, wall in the house, and basically he spent three years uh, between two walls. You know, he could leave only in the evening when it was necessary to administer the sacraments and so forth. Finally, get caught. And um, it's beautiful because we know all the story because uh, he wrote uh, letters to his family and to his friends. For that, we know very well. And also, we have the testimony of other priests and of uh, Vietnamese Catholics. Quite a touch, touching uh, life. So, And um, he was uh, trialed by the great Mandarin, the representative of the king uh, in Hanoi, North. And uh, of course, we have some uh, part of the, of the trial. Uh, for instance, the Mandarin asked him uh, if he's not afraid of, uh, of death, you know, because like they used to, to, to do during the persecution, um, they, they told the Christian, I say, you can leave, you just have to, to walk on the cross. Unfortunately, like it happened to all the persecutions in the early church, some, they, uh, unfortunately, they denied Christ and walked on the cross, but there are also many uh, Christians who were faithful and who died. We don't know exactly how many Christians died, but certainly uh, more than 100,000, maybe two, or even 300,000. Only 117 are canonized, but there were many thousands of Christians who gave their life for Christ. And Santo Van Venar said, uh, you know, uh, I'm a Christian. I came here in the name of Christ, of this Christ. So I'm not afraid of death. I do not deserve uh, to die, but to die. But if you decide to kill me, I accept that. I accept death, and I will offer it for Vietnam. You know, so it was a beautiful testimony of faith that uh, he gave. And finally, he was sentenced to death. It took some time because uh, before he was put to death, they needed the approbation of the king. It took uh, two months. Uh, and during this time, so he can have uh, contact with some other people, he can send letters, especially one of his last uh, letters, I think his last letters to his family. It's really beautiful because it's like if you read Saint Teresa of Lisieux, it's really the same spirit. It's, it says, uh, I like, like, I am like a a flower of spring that will be picked by God and my uh, my pilgrimage on earth will end, but I will be in heaven for God. So and he, he wrote to his family to, to not cry, but to rather to, to rejoice. Also. And um, finally, the, the king's approbation uh, arrived and he was sentenced. He was executed on February the 2nd which is a beautiful uh, day because uh, it's the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Candle Mass, you know, and the day, the day when we sing uh, Lumen, Ad Revelationem Gentium. Uh, I think it was truly a, 
the light, uh, as Jesus said in the gospel, uh, the, the light of the world. So it was pretty a light uh, for the church in Vietnam and, uh, until today because he still had, uh, the Vietnamese, as the Catholic Vietnamese, still have great uh, veneration for Santo Fan Venar. So, so it was a, it's a short uh, summary of his life. There would be many things to do, but I think I have an idea of what he did to the people who do not know him. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want more, you get the book, uh, The Modern Martyr. I mean, yeah, exactly. I read it in English when I was in the States. I spent eight years in the States. Yeah, it has his letters and all that, a little more biography. And uh, I think before you guys had, they had they had five attempts to cut his head off. But he- oh, yes, uh, because uh, the executioners were, I think he was drunk or something like that. So, so uh, he took uh, five, uh, he had to do five times before he could behave him. So he did not die on the first hit. Uh, so I guess he had time to to offer and to suffer also with Christ. Uh, but uh, yeah, but he was prepared for that. Because there is a story, you know, when he was, um, sometime when he when he was in the, um, still hidden in the house, uh, sometimes he was praying the breviary and the people could see him. Sometimes he just raised the head like that when he was praying. And some people asked ask him, I say, why do you raise your head like that? And he answered something like that, you know, well, I have to be prepared if I have to give my life for Christ. If they want to behead me, I have to be prepared. So, you know, he was, uh, I, I mean, since he was nine years old, he was preparing himself for this moment. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most nine-year-olds are thinking about being astronauts or ballplayers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, he, and they cut, well, I think they caught him in, like, the, towards the end of the year, say, like, November, December, but he, they, st- they had him in a six-and-a-half-foot by three-foot cage. For yes, three months, cage, uh, so which was a kind of a humiliation because of the guard all around. But uh, like it happened many times in the history of the church, when you have a saint who is prisoner like that, especially uh, someone with a various martyr. So uh, some people, especially the, the the captain of the guard, was uh, very uh, impressed and moved by him, and uh, he tried to make his life. Uh, Better, but some other guard mocked him, you know. And so, Saint Juan of Arc also uh, knew the same thing when she was present. So it happened to many times. I guess it's uh, part of the cross that the, the saint, and especially the martyr, had to, to carry. But um, yeah, it was uh, what I guess what impressed most of the people is that during all, all his time in prison until the day of his death, he was joyful, you know. He went to his death singing uh, the magnific the, the Magnificat, I think it was. Like uh, Father Cornet before him, when he died, he was singing the Salve Regina, you know. And, uh, we can think also about the, you know, the, the Blessed Carmelite of Compiègne mm-hmm. during the French Revolution also, you know. So, um, because the death of the, of the faithful Christian is, uh, can be tragic, of course, but it's not something sad, you know. If we have faith, if we believe in God, Giving our life uh, for God is uh, beautiful and uh, finally uh, even a joyful thing. You know? so, but we need, uh, yeah, we need faith uh, to, to understand that because to the world it does not make sense. You know? That's what goes back. I open up with the bishop saying three cheers for joy because uh, I think Theophan was sick as a dog when they thought he was going to die. And he says something about, I can't breathe, I can't go on, but three cheers for joy, anyways. 
Oh yes, uh, I, in French, as I used to say, uh, vive la joie quand même, so, long live the joy, uh, whatever, you know, I don't know if you translate it in English, but uh, cheer for joy, yes, exactly. Because even before the, the persecution started again, it was difficult just, I mean, just imagine, even without the persecution, uh, Vietnam at this time, nowadays it's okay, I have the air conditioning in my room, okay, so, but imagine uh, it's a tropical country, uh, at this time, they are, uh, the medicine was not, uh, they didn't have uh, antibiotic or whatever. So, in fact, many people just uh, died of a sickness, you know, a tropical sickness. You know, so it was hard. And Teofan Benar uh, was sick many times. And people thought they would die. Um, there was a difficulties to, to, to preach the gospel everywhere. Uh, so, uh, being a missionary, I guess it has never been easy, whatever is a century, but in the 19th century in Vietnam, was certainly not easy, but uh, all these missionaries always were filled with joy and they say, okay, we, we know that it's hard, but we have been prepared for that in the seminary. You know, we, we knew it from the beginning, so it's not a surprise. And uh, which is not new. Uh, we can, if you read some Paul, uh, you know, uh, exactly the same thing. Uh, we have to, to carry the cross and uh, that's it. So, uh, and uh, it's quite inspiring, because, especially nowadays, because um, uh, I'm seeking for myself as a priest in mission, also in Vietnam. Say, um, but it was also the case when I was a parish priest in Canada or in the US or in France. I say, well, what can we do to, to, to bring the gospel to, to the people? You know? um, of course, the situation in the 21st century in our modern society is not the same. But basically, Whatever is the location and whatever is the time, uh, I think we don't have to find a new things or new idea. If we want to bring the gospel, first we have to leave it ourselves uh, and to be uh, attached to, our, to, to Jesus Christ and uh, to be, uh, yes, the, the salt of the earth and the light uh, of the world. And um, when you when you read the life of Saint Van Venner, especially when he was still in the seminary, you can see that he was preparing. Uh, Himself for this mission. Um, I, I, when I was uh, thinking this afternoon about preparing this talk, I, I've, uh, I have a quote from Bishop Fenelon. He was a famous French bishop in the 17th century, and he said that he, he preached one day to the mission, uh, to the chapel of the mission in Paris, and he's talking about the missionary. He said, These are the, the new conquerors of the world, but their only weapon is the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, yes, a weapon of the missionaries and of every Christian, I would say, not only mission. Well, every Christian should be a missionary in a way or another. We can be missionary in our families, at work, even in our parish, well, everywhere. But of course, the missionary, in the strict sense of the world, those who left their country to preach the gospel far away. Yep. We have, uh, if exactly. we need a, a secret, how to be a good missionary. I mean, the secret is the cross of Christ. That's it. Everything is there. Yeah, because St. Therese is the patron saint of missionaries, and she never went to a missionary. Yes, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, of course, she's, she's the patron saint of the mission. So, you know, she wanted uh, to follow uh, St. Theophan Venner because she asked to, to go to the Carmel in Vietnam. And in fact, it was granted... She, she had the permission to go, but she was sick, and then finally she died, so it never happened. But her dream uh, was to still be a Carmelite sister in a cloister, uh, but she was uh, 
so close after Van Venner, she, she really wanted to, to be in the Carmel of uh, Vietnam in Vietnam. So, and uh, yet behind uh, the cloister of her, of her monastery, Lille, she became the patron saint of the mission with Saint François Xavier. Saint François Xavier, okay, it makes sense, he was strictly a missionary, but it shows that uh, even the monks, the, those who are more monastic uh, vocation, uh, should be missionary and uh, lay people, you know, even if you are married, even if you are a family, of course, your first duty is to take care of your, of your family, but uh, uh, you can still be a missionary uh, at the same time, maybe a missionary to your own family, to your children, you know, but uh, so uh, we should always pray for the, 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 the diffusion of the gospel in the world, and that's the concern of uh, all, all the faithful of us. That was the thing with him. They said that he was very zealous for the conversion of souls out there, and wrote to I think he wrote to his oh, yeah. sister how we need that we need more of this. There's uh, souls are being lost like snowflakes or, uh, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the, when you when you read uh, on the what they were taught in the seminary, they did not uh, leave their country, their family, which was a real sacrifice because nowadays. Even when you are a missionary in Asia or Africa, uh, we have plane. I can be in France uh, tomorrow if I want. So. But at this time, when they left, uh, they knew they would never come back. You know, uh, so it was quite a sacrifice. And we have many stories. You know, it's very touching when he left his uh, home, uh, his little town in the west of France, to join the seminary in Paris. Uh, when he said uh, goodbye, farewell to his father, to his family. So uh, you know that. They were not robots or people with no feelings, you know. They, they had a certain sadness, you know. But on the other hand, the joy of following Christ was higher than the sadness they had to leave their family. But why did they leave their country, their family, their friends? It's to save souls. That's the main reason. That was not to make social activities or you know. I'm not uh, judging or uh, mocking or uh, whatever other reason, but nowadays when you hear the modern speech in the church, I say, okay, you hear uh, people, they do a lot of social activities, which is good, again, I'm not saying it's bad, but we should not forget the main reason is to save souls, you know, main reason. And uh, because otherwise, uh, why would you give your life, you know? Uh, as the priest, I don't want to die just to, to build a school. It's beautiful to build a school, you know, but maybe not to the point to, to give my life for that, you know. Uh, I have to die, I hope, for Christ and for the salvation of souls. You know? And uh, that was really the, the unique reason, their motivation. Uh, you know, the, we, we go all over the world to, to save souls. Uh, Bishop Fenlon, uh, you know, after uh, I don't have the whole speech, the whole ceremony gave, but uh, he said, yes, they, they leave uh, this they want to conquer the world, but for Christ, with uh, for the only weapon, the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, to bring the light of Christ in the darkness. Because for a faithful disciple of Christ, it's in the Gospel of St. John, the letter of St. John, you know, there is a light which is given by God, and without God, we are in the darkness, and we do the work of Satan. And that's, uh, that was pretty of use for many generations of Christians. Nowadays, uh, we are more in a kind of a, okay, yeah, we have uh, to, 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 to speak with other religion. Okay, okay why not? Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, kind of a dialogue just in order to speak and to, 
okay, uh, no, uh, we are here to, 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 to spread the gospel and to convert, uh, to be instruments of the conversion because that's very important. We do not convert people. It's always the grace of God. But if we can be the instrument of the grace of God for the conversion of, 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 the, of the pagan, of the people from other religion, uh, yes, because, um, you know, it's still, uh, even if many Catholics do not know about that or do not believe that, but it's still a dogma of the church, there is no salvation outside of the Catholic Church. This is why the church is missionary from the very beginning. Uh, Jesus said, sent his apostles to all the nation, uh, not to dialogue or whatever, but to, to, to preach and to baptize. And that will be the mission of the church until the end of time. Preach and to baptize. Uh, if some, uh, when we preach, if some hear the voice of God uh, and ask for baptism, yes, okay, we baptize, we give the life of, of God, and then uh, we help them to grow because baptism is just the beginning. We help them to grow uh, their spiritual life, to become closer to our Lord Jesus Christ, to become saints because once we are baptized, we are all called to become saints, whatever is our vocation. And that it's uh, quite a spiritual adventure, you know. So it should keep uh, all the priests and all the faithful of the world, that should keep us busy for the rest of our life, you know. We have to do. Yeah. yeah, last time I checked, the entire planet isn't Catholic, so we got some work to do. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, a lot of work. You know? <laughs> and uh, that's why, uh, and today for me, it's my motivation uh, because... Uh, no, uh, Vietnam, uh, today, Vietnam, it's an, uh, around 90 millions of people. I think they are like 7 million of Catholics, so it's still a minority. But it's a strong minority, you know, we, the seminary, it's not like in Western countries, the seminaries are full. The religious community, are, they have many vocations. They build a big, a beautiful church, you know, so there is a the church in the Life, but uh, okay, seven million. It means there are still eighty-three millions of non-Catholics in Vietnam. So <laughs> there are still a lot of work to do. The mission is never finished. And your mission out there, how's it grow? Is it uh, is it growing pretty well? Uh, how are things going? Well, um, it's uh, particular because um, I am in Vietnam for the Latin Mass, of course, which is not very easy. For different reasons, because uh, as I said, they have many priests. Uh, you know, it's not like in Western countries. So um, they have a lot of priests in the parishes, in the religious community. But uh, there is no Latin mass uh, in Vietnam. Um, so I'm, in fact, I'm the first priest who remain permanently to celebrate the Latin mass. Now uh, it's difficult for many reasons because um, I'm not going to. That's now a public interview, but uh, you know the political regime of Vietnam, so it's a little bit difficult. Even though the situation is better than it used to be in the past, uh, because 20 years, 20 years ago, as a priest, I no, I can be there. You know, so it's okay. There is no more persecution for the government. It's not easy, but but still, the government is in charge. Of, so, which means any, it's not only for us, but for any religious community. Uh, Vietnam, uh, we need uh, appropriation for the government. It can take many years, maybe 10 years. Before, so. And um, also uh, among our uh, Catholic brethren, uh, brothers in Vietnam, 
Uh, there are some uh, like in the West, like in other countries, who do not like very much the Latin mass. So I don't have only friends in Vietnam. So it's kind of difficult situation. But right now, uh, so it's my, um, I just started my second year in Vietnam. I arrived just one year ago. My first year, um, I needed to have a, a place to stay. Um, when I was in Canada, I met a Vietnamese uh, priest, a Vietnamese Cistercian priest who was studying in Ottawa. Um, and um, he was studying in Ottawa and uh, invited me to, to visit his monastery in, uh, in North Vietnam, near Ninh Binh. And uh, so I made contact with the monastery. And um, last year, because I used to visit uh, Vietnam every year from Canada, and uh, last year I was visiting, and uh, I told them, well, my superior, Pastor Komorotu, the general superior, gave me uh, authorization to, to go to Vietnam for at least uh, two years to see what we can do. So when I told that to the monks in Nimin, they said, oh, well, uh, we need uh, someone uh, you can teach English and French the brothers, I said, okay, fine. So I signed, and I came back a few months later. So I spent my first year in the Cistercian monastery to teach for the brothers French and English. But I did not have a posture. I used to say my private mass every day. But I traveled a few times in Vietnam to Hue, the former imperial capital, and to Saigon. And in fact, it happened that it's in Saigon, as I call that Ho Chi Minh City, that I found more people who are interested with the Latin Mass. So um, I went there a couple of times to the Great Mass, and finally in June I met the Archbishop of Saigon. And uh, so I told him, I said, I'm priest of the Fraternity of Saint Peter, um, I'd like to stay in Vietnam. And uh, so he told me, um, well, it's still difficult now to have you stay and to say public mass. Um, but again, not because it's me and the president of St. Peter, but again, all the public mass must have the approbation of the government. That's right. It takes time. But the archbishop told me, I'm not opposed that you stay in Saigon and to take care of young men who may have a vocation to join the fraternity of St. Peter. So I... Um, I told my superior, I said, okay, um, I have a, a door that is open to, to be in Saigon. And then I moved. Uh, so we rent a home now. And uh, I have a few young men who are interesting to join the seminary. So we have a kind of community life. They are not members of the fraternity, but it helps to make a discernment. And maybe hopefully they will join one of our seminary in Bigradsbad or in Benton uh, in the U.S. Uh, but right now, I still do not have the authorization to celebrate public mass. So I just say uh, celebrate private mass in the oratory. We have a small oratory. So, but you know, I'm uh, again. It will be a work of patience. You no, know, even myself, I, I did not expect that in just one year. So it's even uh, more than I expected. Uh, of course, it's a little bit frustrating because after uh, I just celebrate my 20th anniversary. So. After 20 years in parish or a big church who have apostolate with everything, catechism, uh, all the sacraments of parish life we can have. So uh, my apostolate is quite uh, limited here, but uh, um, I hope that it can be the foundation. Uh, and if we have later uh, vocation from Vietnam, uh, 
So uh, we, we have to be patient. And precisely when I was thinking about uh, the the mission in the 19th century and all the all the martyrs, I would say that my cross in comparison is a very small cross. So I don't complain. I do what I can do now, and I hope in the future it will develop. So it's not easy, but um, it's okay. I'm happy, and I hope to continue, and I hope this apostolate will bear some fruits in the future. Well, that's like with all of us. I mean, you read these guys, they're hiding in walls or underneath steps and things, and we're trying to make, oh, yeah, and we're exactly. afraid to tell our neighbor or our, work, or our co-worker, hey, come to Mass or something like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so now it's not uh, this situation now. Here, um, well, it's funny because sometimes uh, I know that uh, I received some email from people I don't know. They ask, telling me, oh, I would like to go to Mass. I would like to learn Latin. But I know very well that people who, uh, don't like us and they want to spy on us you know there are some kind of adventure like that so, uh, I even received some time uh, some uh, threat some, uh, some message telling me that uh, you know a few months ago I received a message uh, you have three days to leave Vietnam otherwise the government will explode I say okay well whatever <laughs> it makes me laugh I think we just better you know, it, uh, well, as I tried to impress or intimidate me, whatever. But again, if I compare with what Santo van Vener on the market of the 19th century, it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get from you coming from France and all, I mean, you got Noel Pignot, I mean, right at the beginning of the French Revolution. You, uh, you got martyrs that would be like a scroll of yards to roll off of going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, what do you, what do you need? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's also for that uh, I named uh, the first towns of the fraternity in, uh, in Asia. Santo Van Venar, Santo Van Venar House. And uh, as I said, well, we have a beautiful example to follow. And even if it's difficult, our difficulties are not so big in comparison. And we should always keep the joy and the peace of soul, whatever are the difficulties here. So, yeah, three cheers for joy, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do you need out there? Uh, what can people that are watching uh, send you? Uh, and I got the GoFundMe page that I'll put underneath in the show notes. Um, yeah, of course, uh, any helps will be welcome. Um, since I'm here, I could buy some uh, vestments with the help of some people. I received some vestments. Right now, since we maybe in 10 years, uh, we'll have a big church with everything so far now. But uh, we have to pay a rent for the home, for the house, which is around a, a six hundred, uh, the equivalent of six hundred dollar a month. So, so any helps can can will be uh, appreciated. It's through my GoFund Go account, you know. So that, that, that's a way to send money here. We need um, the most important, I think, is that we need some prayers. You know? um, yeah, that, that basically is all. Everybody, especially the member of the Confraternity of Saint Peter, uh, who may watch this, uh, uh, so since we ask them to pray for the prayer for the, the mission of the fraternity. So if you can uh, remember uh, us in your prayers, okay, some support. Sometimes I, I receive sometimes some uh, some mail from uh, Europe and the US. It's still appreciated because. Uh, I'm the only fraternity priest in Vietnam. I think the closest fraternity priests are in Australia. And I don't have a chance, especially with the COVID, uh, 
know, um, the border are, are still closed. I, I mean, if I want, I can leave the country, but I don't know when I will be able to come back to Vietnam. So for now, I stay. I, I wanted to go back to France in July to celebrate my uh, 20th anniversary with my family and some, some fraternity confrere, but I celebrate here uh, with some nice Vietnamese people. Because, yes, I received some crazy message on threat, but most of the Vietnamese people I know are very kind of nice people. So I don't complain about that. So I received a warm welcome from many people, and uh, that's very appreciated. So sometimes uh, a little uh, mail uh, say hello, we pray for you. So it's always uh, appreciated. No, very good. Yes, everybody likes a letter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father, any last, any, uh, I'm sorry? I will try to, in the future, uh, again, we just moved uh, less than two months ago in the house. We need to do some installation. Sometimes we have some very unfortunate things, like yesterday evening we had a flooding in the house. You know, it's, it's still the rain season in Vietnam and rain season, uh, so sometimes uh, we had some water in the house. But uh, don't worry, I would say uh, to have water in the home in uh, the rain season in Vietnam, it's quite normal. Yeah, I saw the video on your Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, keep me busy. Even if I don't have a ministry like I used to have in other I'm still busy with many things to, to establish a house. But in the future, I would like to make a kind of a uh, newsletter in French and English also for people who follow apostolate in America and in Europe. But uh, this, uh, last month they wrote a nice article about us. You read it probably in the BC, but you know, the Frater of the FSSP blog. So uh, it was nice, uh, which was good because uh, just this week I received a mail from uh, an American guy. Uh, uh, who is a supporter of the fraternity and who worked in Saigon. So, and because of the missive, uh, now he knows that uh, we are in Saigon. So I hope to see him at Mass uh, very soon. Oh, fantastic. When the, when the border of Vietnam will be open again, I don't know when, nobody knows what will happen. It's crazy year, but uh, I invite all the people to, to come to travel to Vietnam because it's a very beautiful country. Um, it's open to tourism now, so we have a lot of tourists uh, who come to Vietnam with um, not always good things. I mean, sometimes uh, you know, they bring uh, uh, the spirit of the world money, so uh, yeah, now a lot of business. And so, I mean, people they need to 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 live in Vietnam. I'm glad because twenty still twenty years ago the economy was not good. Now the economy is rising, which is good. There are less people in, in poverty. Uh, but uh, also, on the other hand, especially among the young people, we, it's still, a, I would say, it's still a religious country if we compare with most of the Western countries, mainly Buddhist or whatever, but they are still, uh, uh, still religious compared with most other Western countries. But of course, it's a challenge, especially for the young generation, many young Vietnamese who are in their 20s, especially those who study in uh, Saigon where they want to be in business. And uh, now you're, you can see that the spirit of the world and the, uh, and, um, uh, capitalism and so forth is, uh, is, uh, is growing in Vietnam. And it's not always good. They are good things, but also bad things that come. But anyway, when, uh, when the borders are open, it's still a very welcoming country. 
and if some people like to travel to Vietnam to visit, you know that uh, there is a Latin mass in Saigon, so you are all welcome to, to visit us. Now, I know this is it's Vietnam, but it's not on target what we're talking about. But wasn't it a, a Nong Ding Den? Didn't he, I heard that he went to mass every morning at six thirty? Oh yes, uh, interesting uh, life. Um, in fact, uh, you know, he, he didn't want to be in politics. Uh, he wanted to be a Benedictine brother, and in fact, he went to Belgium. He joined the what was the name of this? I forget the name, but anyway. And uh, that was basically some people and some member of his family who called him back to, to leave the country. And uh, yes, uh, during his pres presidency, he, he attended mass daily. And in fact, he was killed um, after mass. He was attending mass in, uh, I think it's the church, uh, Francis Xavier Church in Saigon. It was November the 2nd, by the way. So the day of the, of the dead. And uh, he was uh, caught, he was living in church and he was uh, killed. So, well, he was a faithful, uh, faithful Catholic. And uh, his nephew, his nephew was a uh, Cardinal uh, Nguyen Bantuan, who spent um, 13 years in jail. Uh, and then he, he finished after, uh, when he left, uh, when they let him, let him free. Uh, John Paul II uh, made him cardinal and he, he went to Rome. Uh, but very, very uh, beautiful and impressive, impressive life. I recommend the book. Uh, it has been translated in many languages, so in English also, of course. I use this book. Uh, I have it in French. It's always near me. I do see. I can, uh, yeah, I can show you. Uh, the Road of Hope. He wrote that when he was in jail. Uh, for 13 years. Um, that was interesting because there was a young boy who used to, a young Catholic, who used to bring some paper every day, you know, from a calendar, little piece of paper, and he wrote some uh, thought and meditation that he gave back to the kids and after the, the Christian community uh, shared the thought. And they kept all the notes. Now they make a book, so you have this book translated in many languages. The Road of Hopes, and I use that for my daily meditation. It's very powerful, very beautiful. It's full of uh, hope. It's romantical, as I call that, the uh, Road of Hope, because in spite of being in prison for 13 years, uh, while he continued to do his mission as a bishop, he said, I am a bishop. I'm a bishop. I have to teach my, bro my brothers. I have to, to, to help them to, to increase their spiritual life. So it's what he did, even in jail. Uh, Beautiful story. Awesome. I'll link it. I'll link it below for people to get, and along with the GoFundMe site, so people can support your work and hopefully send them sacramentals, send them rosaries, miraculous medals, holy face medals, and cash. <laughs> well, Father, appreciate your time, and thank you for that lesson on uh, the Saint Theophane. That's his old the feast day in the sixty-two calendar. I think is February second, and the new calendar is November twenty-fourth. And I know yeah, that. In fact, in fact, yes, because uh, the martyr, well, several martyrs were uh, beatified uh, before under the previous popes. Uh, then they were, all of them were beatified, and John Paul II canonized them. So, of course, it happened, uh, John Paul II, after 1962 calendar, 
So in the new calendar, it's uh, November 4th, I think. But uh, in the um, 1962 calendar, uh, it was in September. Uh, so I kept the since I follow the 1962 calendar. So we just celebrate uh, the feast of uh, Martyr, uh, not last Sunday, but the week before. It's, it was to be the, the first Sunday of September. So. Yeah. Well, I knew about the 24th because my brother's birthday is the 24th, and he went to some. This is the first time I heard about St. Theophane was he was at some relic uh, show, and uh, when he was in seminary with you guys, and uh, somebody told him said one of these one of these saints will speak to you. He said he walked by one, kind of looked at it, and he just walked by, and he said ah, something brought me back to it, and I picked it up and had my birthday on it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was St. Theophane. <laughs> but uh, no, I appreciate your time and thank you very much. And uh, please, everybody help support him with prayers and uh, uh, funding. My pleasure. Always I come. So God bless you all. And uh, well, you will have... Can we get a final blessing before you go? Mm. Yes, okay. Benedictio de Omnipotentis, Patris, et Filiat Spiritus Sancti, de Shandat Superus, et Maniat Semper. Amen. Just to make people sure, it's not uh, Benedictio Orbi et Orbi. I'm not. I invoke the gray eggs of God upon uh, everyone. Thank you for uh, having me uh, in this show, and God bless you, and uh, we pray uh, for each other. All right. Thank you, Father. God bless. Bye bye. Yeah.